0: Hello and welcome, my fellow Americans. Brian, it's been a uh, been a rough weekend for both of us here. How are
1: uh, how are you getting by today? You know, getting by slowly. It's only getting getting worse as my Cardinals are facing elimination tonight, which we'll get to later. So it's uh, it's been a it's been a rough it's been a rough go of it. Kenyon, I, I do apologize for the the sadness that you had to have felt last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised you're even alive this morning. Well, today. you
0: know, you know, I uh, I wore all black today because um, oh, I, yes. I was in mourning and then <laughs> and that's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I uh, what did I do? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I completely blanked. I just got back from a hard workout. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I did that. Uh, I yelled a lot at the t v last night at the end of the game i uh shouted some expletives and and here i am so i'm I'm ready to talk about it i'm ready to rant brian oh, uh i I've,
1: I've got things to rant about too so <laughs> perfect The <laughs> ranting
0: episode well fortunately uh for for our merry listeners and and for you, you get to hear my rant uh at the end of these results that we got here and and we didn't do super great on our results but what matters is is that i beat you and it was my literally only win over the weekend including fantasy so there you go <laughs> uh,
1: well i won fantasy so it makes up for it it's all good all right all right <laughs>
0: So, all right, we got, uh, first of all, 20 Virginia – well, 20 at the time, Virginia at Miami. Brian, my gut said Miami, but I I went with the more calculated decision of Virginia. Came back to bite me 17-9, to and and you had the same pick.
1: Yeah, you know, you saw Miami the week before, really struggle with Virginia Tech, but ended up coming back and making it a game. You know, this Virginia team – they got the talent, but they're very inconsistent, and we saw that at this game. And, uh, yeah, so the ACC, you know, outside of Clemson, just keeps beating up on each other. So we'll see how it kind of fares out for them. But, uh, yeah, this one, this one got me a little bit. This one surprised me a little bit.
0: Yeah. Then we came to Nebraska at Minnesota, and uh, I, this game gave me such a bad headache. Uh, this is one of the worst I've, I've seen Nebraska play. Uh, they lost 34 to seven to Minnesota. Brian, you you picked the the Gophers, and you know I the, the, give credit to Minnesota. They're they're a good football team, but as a Nebraska fan, I can't help but sit back and and be incredibly disappointed with the effort put forth by the Cornhuskers. That offensive line was garbage, and and they even center uh, Jurgens got the snap down for the most part this week. So that wasn't the issue. Uh, you know the had injuries uh for certain guys sure but you know we're at the point of that of the year where every team is dinged up so that's not really an excuse and that goes for the nfl too so i don't know i i'm incredibly disappointed because we got we got defensive linemen of the 320 330 pounds they're getting blown three yards off the ball by minnesota's offensive line i i just uh i can't I, i i can't justify that that's that's a bad loss
1: yeah, and, you know, even though Minnesota is still currently undefeated, the games before this, they barely won games against teams that they should not even be close to. Um, this this was, yeah, a really bad loss for Nebraska. And, and, you know, from somebody who's not really a Nebraska fan but just watches from the outside outside looking in, it's the same song and dance every week. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying this is all on Scott. You know, this is only his second year, but, you know, The thing is, is it seems like every week it's the same excuse. Well, it's got to get worse before it gets better. Well, you know, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's, it's time for some answers. It's time for some owning, owning some responsibility. And, and I mean, this, this is just not okay. I mean, you're down Adrian Martinez, but that wasn't even the problem. This game, I mean, the defense looked luster, the O-line, as you said, just did nothing I, this is honestly, this was an embarrassment for Nebraska. Um, and if things don't turn around, um, you know, you almost wonder next year, it's going to be the same thing where the coaches all off season are like, everything's, you know, things are getting fixed. We got, the guys are stronger, they're tougher. And then they come out and play and it's like, it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. You know, they're the Nebraska record might be better this year so far. But honestly, I think they look worse than last year i think as as a team, I think it's just so dysfunctional i i think it I think they look worse this year,
0: and you know you it's hard for me to say worse I'll say as as bad um you know when you when you look at the even week one the law- the win against south alabama i mean you you talk in what was it like seven ten points mm-hmm. very very troublesome. And then week two, you, you were up big against Colorado and then let them come back. Week three, strong comeback against Northern Illinois, but Northern Illinois is, is not playing well at all this year. Get blown out by Ohio State. You barely beat Northwestern, who has one win right now, and you barely beat them by a field goal. And then come out and get blown out by the Golden Govers. Like, again, cre- credit to, to PJ Fleck. He's really turned that team around. Uh, so don't get me wrong, they're they're a sturdy team, but they're not, not 34 to 7, you know, good. They're they are good. And and, and they play with intensity and, and they play with a fire. And it's a fire that I just am not seeing for this Nebraska team, besides a couple of guys. You know, I see it with Lamar Jackson. He's really turned up his game this year. Mo Berry. He is another standout. Haven't heard his name called as much this year as I would like, but he's continuing to make plays, especially here down the stretch. Adrian Martinez has been trying, but I, I've had issues with the way he's been throwing the ball this year. Uh, Maurice Washington has those off the field problems still. And, and you know, uh, when he was on the field, he was playing well and he was playing hard. I'll give him that. Wandale Robinson, the, the true freshman. He's playing hard. He got dinged up as well. J.D. Spielman hasn't been involved as much in this offense as I would like. It's just been a very strange year, I think. They've got so many weapons. They have so many uh, pieces that look good on paper, but for whatever reason are not working out when you put them together on the field. And whether that's Scott or whether that's the players or whether that's you know underneath coaches, I don't know. And And I don't know if anybody knows maybe this is a – a continued symptom of, of Mike Riley, and that's, that's possible. If you look at, you know, things like the economy, sometimes actions now don't take effect until three, four years later or something like that. So maybe that's an, a kind of an equivalent. I don't – I'm not ready to say that for sure, but, I mean, it, it's possible. So maybe if you get a couple more recruits in. I just can't think that a bunch more freshman recruits are going to turn this around right now. I think – you, you got to find some way to come back strong. But I, what I know right now is we play Wisconsin looking like this
1: and that, uh, no shutout streak is going to end in a hurry. Yeah, that, that is the case. So the next game was the bi- biggest game for me was uh number six, Oklahoma versus number 11, Texas, the red river. Um, Texas only loses by seven here. You know, it was, it was a tough loss. Um, but, there there were some there were some positives uh for Texas in this. Um, you know, you had a really uh you know, to start the game you were down three starters in the secondary, and yet uh the secondary caused Jalen Hurts to fumble the ball once and then throw a pick. However, the biggest problem in this game was the Texas offense. The O line continually got beat. Uh nine sacks for the Oklahoma defense. And uh I I think the biggest kind of surprise and, and it might it might have been due to the sacks, but Sam Ellinger just he played really uh really almost nervous out there. Um, uh, wasn't relaxed, uh, and just didn't couldn't really let the ball fly. However, I think, you know, this game proves something. It it proved for Texas, you know, it can't just be Sam Ellinger. Um you know, they're you know, like I said, only lost by seven. There were uh, two dropped passes in the same drive that should have been both touchdowns. Um, Texas had a chance at an onside at the end of the game. Um, you know, believe you me, there were plenty of times I was screaming at the television. And I feel bad for my neighbors, and uh, but overall, I was. Uh, besides losing the game, I, I was happy though that the team fought. Um, I think. You know, nobody really this year has been able to stop this Oklahoma team, and yet held them to 34 points. Um, As a lot of people say for uh, Big 12 football, this is when the two basically top teams came out and played defense, and uh, you know it was was a nice sign. uh, But there, there's definitely some things to fix. Um, You know, for Texas, playoff is obviously out of the picture, but. they, you know there's still a very good chance to win the big 12 and go to the sugar bowl which would be very welcomed um uh, but just got to win out uh got to get some guys back from injury um you know kind of clean up some of the sloppiness but overall the the big thing here was you know the defense can still play while being beat up that that was the big thing in this game
0: and defenses were a big part of this game it was going into halftime what something like 10 to 10 or mm-hmm. something like that 10 to 3 10 to 3 10 to So it was a very low-scoring, very tightly contested game, and then all of a sudden just kind of exploded in the second half. A lot of people were saying that you know Oklahoma came out really looking like a playoff team because of their defense. I was less than impressed because the defense didn't play the full game still. It did look very good in that first half, but I want to see a more complete performance out of Oklahoma. Well, I don't want to. I don't like Oklahoma, but in order to call them a a true contender that can— potentially knock off clemson or bama that's what they got to show me all right uh memphis at temple i went with the uh, unbeaten tigers brian you picked the one loss temple owls and you know temple got out to a big lead and memphis you know they started coming back but couldn't quite finish it off temple wins at 30 to 28
1: yeah this was a hard fought game um you know really for me when i picked this it was a coin flip but i i gave advantage to the home team and ended up paying off um, but well, well put together, uh, game fun to watch. Um, but yeah, you know, came down, came down to the final seconds. Uh, the next game we had was number one, Alabama at number 24, Texas a and I picked A&M just out of pure spite and, uh, came to bite me in the butt. Uh, as I, as I told with, you it
0: would, I told I, you it would.
1: I know, I know, but, uh, you know, you can always, you can always pray for good things. So that's true. Uh, Anyway, Kenyon, you ended up picking Alabama on this one.
0: Yep, uh, went with the obvious choice here, 47-28 uh, for Bama to win. I think they're still number one spot right now. Yep. It's hard to really argue with it. But, you know, if if I was going to, you know, with no uh, preconceived notions at all, I, think my, I don't think Bama would be my number one. I think right now my number one would probably be Ohio State. My number two, uh might be might be oklahoma maybe number three wisconsin well no two i'll go two lsu three wisconsin still and then four four eh, Bama's just played such a such a lackluster schedule so far that uh i wouldn't put them in but maybe yeah probably oklahoma there in that four spot so i don't know i i think and and is that really accurate? I, I don't think so. I think Bama is, is probably still the best team out there as of right now, but uh, we'll get to more of that uh, later in the, in the coming weeks. So, anyway, moving on after, sorry, that little tangent there. Michigan State at, no, at Wisconsin, and uh, we both picked Wisconsin, and this is one of those few games that uh, we both got fully right. Wisconsin won it 38 to nothing, Brian. Shout out those Spartans.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this is the thing, uh, you know, Wisconsin just continually showing up this year. Um, you know, I I saw an interesting article that was titled, you know, if Wisconsin was wearing an Ohio state Jersey or an Alabama Jersey, they'd be ranked way higher. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, this team has, has done more than I feel at least Alabama has done this year, just in terms of how well they're showing out. Um, you know, Ohio State does look good, and they and they've been able to show it. But I don't know, Alabama just continually when they when they play a kind of a lackluster schedule for quite a while. Um, you know, I mean their best competition really to date is uh, A and M, and A and M is now with I believe three losses, and they will not be in the top twenty five anymore. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes. Um, but I I would. I would beg to differ that uh, LSU would be my number one just because they have now beaten uh, a Texas team who is, you know, is, re- is really good. And they also have now beaten a floor team who is really showing up and, you know, at least they're playing, playing uh, top notch competition. Um, but we will see as the season progresses. All right.
0: Next game, Washington state at Arizona state, Brian, uh, you picked you picked Arizona State and and I agreed. I went with those mythical Sun Devil powers, and uh, it was a tough
1: one. Uh, Arizona State had to come back for it, thirty eight to thirty four. Yeah, you know, and the the troubles continue for the Washington State Cougars. Um, I can only imagine what Mike Leach, you know, we've heard what he says on the mic. I can only imagine what's being said in the locker room now. Um, and yeah, but uh, credit to Herm Edwards and Arizona State for continuing. Uh, to you know, show show a pretty strong season so far. Uh, next game we had was USC at number nine Notre Dame. Ken and you and I, you know, kind of talking that uh, last episode, were really pretty confident Notre Dame thought it would be a runaway. Actually, ended up only being separated by three points, but at the end, uh, Notre Dame ended up pulling it out, thirty to twenty-seven.
0: Yeah, I, I watched none of this game. I think it was at at night, and I was. Uh, too busy, you know, hating my life as a Huskers fan. So, um, yeah, I didn't didn't really watch anything of it. From what I saw, Ian Book did did really well for the the Fighting Irish there. Um, but yeah, they they seem like a tough team. I don't think they're a playoff team. All right, uh, ten Penn State at seventeen Iowa. Brian, you picked the Hawkeyes. I picked the Nittany Lions and their terrible attic mascot that got left up there for for 15 years and and penn state ended up winning at 17 to 12
1: yeah you know just just another close game for iowa um you know it, it's got a it's got to kind of sting a little bit but the big thing here is you know this is an iowa team that it, it has the potential and I, and I think this is kind of that year where you know you're, you're gonna have a lot of close calls but not gonna really break through um now after seeing you know two games like this but but watch out in future years. Um, you know, it, it does seem like a Kurt Ference team is. You know, it's pretty consistent. Um, you know, somewhere between eight and ten wins, and doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. But, but this year they're really fighting. Uh, you know, coming those close games. So this, you know, the next year, uh, I know they'll they'll lose. Uh, you know, a fair amount of of seniors, but uh, could be could be a breakout year next year.
0: Yes, it could. All right, that. SEC matchup you were talking about number seven Florida at number five LSU we both picked the Tigers Tigers won it forty two to twenty eight and really this is a much closer game than the score line says it was really that fourth quarter where the LSU Tigers broke away
1: yeah this was a you know just kind of for a while a shootout it seemed like one would score and you know a couple minutes later the other one would score. Um a credit to both these teams, um two really good teams and programs that, you know, have stumbled in past years and trying to get back to that to get back to that elite uh status and, and I think they're both doing themselves a great service. Uh, but LSU continues on behind quarterback uh Joe Burrows, who kind of fun fact, uh was asked at game day about uh when he was being recruited any contacts with Nebraska as his uncle and his father, I believe, uh played at Nebraska and all he could say was there was no interest by Nebraska and then gave a little smirk to the camera. Yeah, you know, for Nebraska fans that's got to hurt a little bit because you're seeing what he is doing right now. And uh
0: well, you know. it, it was Mike Riley, I'm not going to apologize for anything that that man did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh that was, that was kind of a little interesting side bit there.
0: He was he was too busy uh hyping, hyping up Tanner Lee, so Yeah, you know, (laughs) giving him giving
1: him ice cream and sprinkles.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, Uh, take us into the NFL here: Panthers at the Buccaneers in London. Brian, we both picked the Panthers; weren't disappointed. Jameis Winston threw five interceptions this in this game as Carolina won it thirty-seven to twenty-six.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think Jameis Winston's time in the NFL is coming to an end. Um, You know, five interceptions. I believe he also had two fumbles. Um, is he, he can't have that um, and, you know he, he hasn't really looked that great all year so uh, I think his time is limited
0: and on the on the Panthers side I really gotta I, I don't understand how Christian McCaffrey isn't even number two in the MVP talks right now Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind so all right Russell Wilson could be your number one that's that's fine I get it but how is how is Christian McCaffrey not everybody's at least number two. He is the reason the Panthers are alive in the playoff race right now. And without him, this would be a completely different team that could potentially, honestly, not even have a single win. So he is literally scoring all of their, po- not all of their points, but a, a high, high portion. He has, you know, it seems like two or three touchdowns in every game and just keeps finding ways to impress. Okay uh giants at the patriots so brian both of us picked the giants here I, I i think more out of out of hope and uh boy wouldn't it be some some poetic justice and, and and irony uh if the giants had won it so we both picked new york and i don't think either of us really expected this to go our way and and boy it didn't patriots won at 35 to 14
1: yeah but uh you know watching watching the first half. It was looking like the Giants were still the kryptonite for the Patriots. It was close game, uh, you know, making the moves, um, but yeah, ultimately the Patriots, you know, took this one and and yeah, I, I would agree. We we strictly took this out of you know kind of spite and you know and kind of hope, and uh, unfortunately, as all they destroy your hope they crush it <laughs> and uh you know that's that's what that's what evil teams do i mean good te- i mean you know you know but uh <laughs> you know that's all right, that's all right i'm hoping their dreams get crushed quite soon um well
0: not with the schedule they play but uh anyway anyway <laughs> uh eagles at vikings um brian i was really hoping that the eagles would, would knock off an nfc north team so did you apparently they didn't get it done vikings won a 38 to 20 stephon diggs uh had an incredible day Kirk cousins looking like the quarterback he was paid to be but uh, the vikings have still uh, there's nothing consistent about about the minnesota vikings you know Kirk cousins seems like week to week is either good Kirk Cousins or he's bad Kirk Cousins, and that the defense has been pretty, pretty solid, pretty consistent. But this team, I don't think has been. They're starting to turn a corner, maybe a little bit. The last couple of games here have been some pretty solid wins. But I think this is a team in particular that we—I mean, at least I personally—I don't want to put words in your mouth. I still don't know what the Vikings are this year. Are they good? Are they? bad are they like mediocre i i honestly cannot tell
1: yeah i completely agree i th- i think you said the perfect thing that i was going to say which is consistency there's lack of consistency i mean that's realistically that's why I, that's why i picked the eagles in this game is because the vikings weren't consistent and it's not like the eagles were playing great this year but at least you you know you kind of knew where you stood with them um the vikings on the other hand i mean you know this is this is a team that's been all over the place and and ultimately, I think, you know, a lot of it comes from when you got a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, where it's like, we all know he's not great, but every once in a while, you know, like every dog has its day, Kirk Cousins can have a good game. And uh, he certainly did here and uh, ended up pulling it off. Uh, but I, I think that just the the other things that kind of happened in this game, I mean, uh, you know, Eagles were driving late and. They fumbled and Ertz fumbles the ball. I mean, you know, I just nothing was working, and uh, the you know Vikings were just on the winning end of it.
0: All right, that'll take us to our California showdown: 49ers at the Rams. Uh, Brian, I went with the unbeaten Niners. You went with the L.A. Rams, the NFC champion from a, a year ago. And I tell you what, I am not impressed with the Rams so far this year, and and they continue to show it. 49ers win. to Now, Todd Gurley was out, but I don't think it would have made a whole bunch of a difference. That Niners defense was playing really well, and uh, their offense was fine. It was serviceable. I I wasn't real impressed with it. This is honestly the first 49ers game I've seen this year. But uh, I am very impressed with their tight end, Kittle. He is an incredible player. I've never seen a tight end as uh, basically just that moves like he does. He's elusive, but it will still run over you. He's, he's something else. He's a great talent.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I had to go, you know, the Rams just, this one was kind of out of spite too. personal bias, not a big, uh, 49ers (laughs) fan for, for many reasons, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, you gotta give credit to the 49ers to really, you know, handle this game and not really have any issues with the Rams. Um, I do think it might have made a little difference to have Gurley out there because Gurley gives you kind of that two-dimensional offense. Um, but but he's he's been so
0: hurt, though, this year. He's been dinged up. He's been used sparingly, shall we say. Uh, I don't think even if he was active, I, I can't think he would have done that much more for the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. But, you know, you never I, I'm know. I'm probably right. No, I am right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, whatever. Um, all right, uh, next game was was the big one, the heartbreak. Uh, uh, Lions at the Packers. Lions came out, you know, we both picked them. They came out early, seemed to have the flicker, game, the seemed flea flea to have to yep, the game. seemed to have the game, and here came Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Kenyon, I will let you take this away. Um, I know you got a lot to say about it. Oh yeah and it, but, yeah, and it and it couldn't have felt good knowing that the NFL came out this morning and said that the second penalty towards the end of the game oh. was an error. It wasn't just the second one that was an error, but um, basically there are
0: four calls slash no calls that were that were really big that um, have drawn a lot of attention. So the first one is. On, I believe it was Tracy Walker, the safety for Detroit, who went down low to intercept a low ball from Aaron Rodgers and ends up making contact with Geronimo Allison. Uh, and, you know, I got to tell you, Walker wasn't even looking at Allison. He was just grabbing the ball. Now, there, I don't even think he hit him with his head. I think he hit, he hit Geronimo's head with his shoulder, I'm pretty sure. Now, Geronimo Allison got knocked out. All right, he was on the ground. He was laying there limp as a noodle, and so they threw that flag. And in replay, it was it was very clear that it, there was no intent behind it. The actually, I I actually googled uh, this this officiating crew, and actually the the head official. Let me pull up his name here real quick. But he actually played for Nebraska back in the day, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but. Uh, regardless, so uh Cleet Blakeman that's his name uh, played in Nebraska uh, who knew but uh he he wasn't the one who made the call the The official from behind made the call he couldn't really see anything with that and but but what Blakeman said was that intent doesn't matter even if the defender does have an equal right to the football, but with that head well what that perceived head to head contact, it didn't matter. I actually was okay with with this penalty uh it was I would say it the incorrect call, but that's something that's just going to get called every time. Whenever, whenever a player gets knocked out, that's, that's going to be a flag. And uh, if you were expecting anything different, then you clearly haven't been paying attention to the way this game is going. But that my friend is a rant for another time. I've got this rant to go on right now. Uh, so then uh, the lions on a, on a crucial stop, you know, they, they, they go ahead and and stop the the Packers in, in the third quarter. Uh I don't know, in, inside the red zone. And they end up giving them a free first down. It was fourth and five. Twelve men in the huddle and gave them a free first down. That was that was correct. That that was true. It hurts. They ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So things that, that the Lions could have done better there. And you will but then there was another play later in the, in the next drive where the Packers apparently had 13 players. I didn't I didn't see that one live. I, I read about that one later, so I guess and I guess that one wasn't called, and I don't know that specific play. But then there was also the there was the first big penalty, and I believe it was the beginning of the fourth quarter, where Trey Flowers was working the shoulder pad of the left tackle, Bakhtiari, trying to get to Aaron Rodgers. And basically, he was so strong, he was pushing Bakhtiari back. I was, like, arching his back. And they ended up throwing a flag for hands to the face. And it was nowhere near his face. It wasn't in his neck. It was on the shoulder pad. And keep in mind, Trey Flowers is a guy who has never been flagged for illegal hands to the face in his entire career. So that's a little interesting. And he was uh, very upset about it. And then the next... I believe it was two plays later, Aaron Rodgers threw, I'll give you, an incredible incredible pass to uh, Lazard and somehow was caught for a touchdown. I'll, I'll give you that. It was incredible. But I will also say, if he wasn't willing to throw that on 4th and 18, because Aaron Rodgers got sacked on the play before. He got sacked and they, they threw a 15-yard penalty for hands of the face. So unless he was willing to throw that on 4th and 18, I don't accept that as a touchdown. It should, it should never have been thrown. So there's that issue. And then there's, you know, later in the game where Matt Stafford trying to come back and and, uh, still had the lead at this point, but was trying to cement it through the ball down the field to Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones got probably interfered with, you know, the Packers defender had his arm draped over his chest while Marvin was in the air trying to catch it. And it wasn't called for pass interference on the field. It was also not challenged. And the reason I think it wasn't challenged is because officials have not shown that they are willing to overturn a, a pass interference based on a coach's challenge. The numbers just don't support it. Hardly any ever get overturned, even, even if it's, it's reviewed in the booth. And then If it's reviewed by the booth, it has a better chance, but not if it gets challenged. It's practically impossible to get something overturned. It's like when you're playing Madden and there's something that clearly happens and you challenge it, and then, you know, whether it's the first down or a catch or something, and you challenge it, and Madden was just like, nah, screw you, you you lose. And so challenges were just stupid, waste of a timeout. It's basically the same exact thing with with pass interference these days. And I hate the way that this rule has been implemented, and and I hated that it was a thing at all, but okay, fine. Even still, the Lions had the lead, had to punt, but then, again, on... Third down, the Packers have the ball as something like a minute 45 to go. And it's third down, and they were going to have to kick a field goal from about, I don't know, 40 yards or so from Mason Crosby and what, or Mason Crossbar as Skip Bayless likes to call him. <laughs> um, but again, you got hit. There was a, it was an incomplete pass, and again, Trey Flowers gets hit with another hands-to-the-face penalty. It was by the same... Guy, the, the same umpire called him his name is, is Jeff Rice um, I tried to look up where he was from to see if there was any kind of bias there see if he might have been a Packers fan I, I didn't find anything <laughs> suggesting that he did he went to Northwestern so that's not too far from Green Bay I suppose but I didn't find a lot of evidence to support that I tried to see if there was you know, perhaps a gambling line that would help him out and I, I didn't see much of that either <laughs> So uh, I, was, I was really looking for, for a conspiracy. I, I didn't find a lot. Um, but anyway, it, it ended up giving them a first down, obviously. And then the Packers were able to just kill the clock and kick a two-yard field goal and, and win the game. And they won it 23-22. to And yes, there were opportunities for the Lions to win it regardless. And yes, they could have played better. But also, you have two plays that shouldn't have happened or should have at least happened differently to the point where it would have entirely changed the outcome of the game. And, you know, you look at social media, Packers fans are agreeing with it, Lions fans, Patriots fans, Cincinnati fans, everybody is like, what the heck is going on? Even Booger on... On national TV is talking about how how terrible it is, and I, I I'll pull up some of that audio here for you. Well,
2: I, I think if you're the Lions, you have to take a little ownership. Okay, they sure, had a lot of, of red zone opportunities from a champ and they kick field goals. But in the end, Trey Flowers gets two bad calls against him and listen I get it the officials have a tough job but we as players we only get 16 shots at this Scotty and each one of them count a lot and for the officials in the crucial situation okay there's a sack one time and you call Trey Flowers for illegal hands to the face and then you basically end the game with another what I would call bogus illegal hands to the face I think the Lions are going to feel like they outplayed the Packers tonight and that the officials took this one away Having said all of
1: that, the second one would have resulted in a Crosby field goal attempt from inside 40 yards, and he had been perfect. So let's just assume, and that's dangerous, but let's assume he makes that. (laughs) At worst, the Lions at least have an opportunity to possess the ball. But let's just go back to what they do have to own. In Lambeau, when you've got opportunities to really step on their neck, The Lions were not able to do that. How much will they look back at at, at specific moments prior to the calls and say that's where we could have put this to bed without worrying about the officials?
2: Well, anytime you face the better quarterbacks in this league, the Brees, the Rodgers, the Bradys, and you get an opportunity to score touchdowns, you have to. The Lions kick field goals tonight. They had three opportunities to go into the end zone. They were on the red zone or the red zone fringe in between the 20 and 30 yard line. And they just couldn't push the ball down and get it into the end zone. So that's what I mean. They'll take ownership because of that. But those are the ebbs and flows of the National Football League. That's going to happen. They have to clean that up. But, boy, when you come into Lambeau and you get turnovers and your team plays as hard and as physically tough as this Detroit Lions team did and Matt Patricia, he's trying to bring that Bill Belichick culture, and it's all about let's, let's just keep being mentally tough and physically tough, and let's go in here, and we have a win or an opportunity for Matthew Stafford to have the ball and maybe go down and kick his own game-winning field goal, and it's taken away they're gonna have to go back and say you know what guys yeah we'll take ownership for it. but in the end i think there's gonna be a lot of plays sent to new york where al Riverron, who's the head of the officiating crew is gonna have to take a look and they're gonna have to do some serious serious explaining to the detroit lions um but it's just absolutely
0: ridiculous that this is happening in in the nfl and so brian i'll make the real quick mention real quick Again, I beat you this week, 8-7. to seven. I have 42 wins, you have 39. I'm closing the gap 3-4 to four weekly. But my big loser for the week is the fans. The, NFL, the fans of the NFL, because this isn't just a Lions problem. This is a league-wide problem. You see it against the Saints. You see it, I mean, I guess I, apparently it was pretty bad in the Browns game as well. I didn't watch the Browns game, because why would I watch the Browns game? But, <laughs> but I hear it was really bad t- uh, Baker Mayfield was fine with taking a fine calling it out, which is unsurprising. Uh Tracy Walker for the Lions was, you know, fine with taking a fine for calling it out. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on and it's costing teams games and it's costing potentially playoff spots, especially in the NFC North, where everybody has a winning record except now the Lions are five hundred again, but they should be on top. And they showed America that they deserve to win the game and it was stolen from them. And that's why it was it was so hard for me to watch even Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the game, he was doing the post-game interview, and he said it didn't feel like a win. Aaron Rodgers said it didn't feel like a win. And it's just absolutely unfathomable that the Packers were given this. And, Brian, I don't know what can be done. I, I saw a little bit of, on ESPN this morning. They were asking, is there anything that can be done to, to fix it? And, and there was the one guy who said... Well, well, no, there's, there's nothing we can do. It's just going to be bad. And then there's the other guy uh, by the name of Dan Orlovsky, uh, former backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions, actually, uh, who said, you know what, have the eye in the sky, replay. Every flag that is thrown, just do a real quick, yep, that's a penalty. No, that's not a penalty. Don't do it for flags that aren't thrown. Don't say, hey, that's a penalty if, if, if there wasn't a flag, but check on the ones that are called. Um, do I, I think that's good long term? N- no, I don't. But I, I used to be ag- against this other philosophy, and I'm starting to come around on it, Brian. And I'll, I'm curious to see what you think about both of those, about uh, calling, checking on those flags. But what do, you, what do you think about this? Players can be fined for uh, misconduct on the field, off the field, whatever. Coaches can be fined for calling out, you know, just talking about the NFL in general gms can be fined owners can be fined but officials cannot be fined and i think there comes a point where you got to have some accountability for them if they are costing a team a game because of an incorrect call there has to be some kind of repercussion otherwise there's no reason for them to get it right and fix it
1: yes i i think i think you brought up a lot of good points um i do not like the review every penalty even if it's like not necessarily a stoppage in play i i don't i don't like that because no matter if they're stealing a game or not you know that it's you know it's just like talking about bringing robots to call balls and strikes in baseball you know they even though like if you're on the opposite end of it it sucks but like just that human that small human error like different officials have different strike zones, like that kind of stuff. It's just, it makes the game interesting. Like, if you just completely make it cut and dry, you know, I mean, think, you know, part of the reason, like, you know, sports commentators, you know, can talk so much about stuff is because of the controversy. So I, I don't like the idea to replay it all. Per se, fines, I don't know. I think instead it should be suspensions. Um, I mean, they've done it in college football where they've taken a crew off games, but I mean, I think the bigger thing here is like, I I don't, I don't understand. I think part of the reason NFL officiating is so bad is because the rule book for the NFL is so stupid. Um, It, some of these penalties, they're now making penalties are not penalties. And I mean, I mean, let's let's look at college football. They play, you know, hundreds of teams play games every week. And, yeah, there's bad calls here and there. But predominantly, you don't have these same conversations in college football. You don't have these same issues of how bad the officiating is in college football. Now, we've had a game here, a game there, a call here, a call there, that, of course, we've talked about. But I don't understand why... The, why it's apparently easier to get better officials for college football because, you know, we don't have these issues. So I think, I think if anything you, you do suspensions for, for NFL officials. Um, and you know, if they get enough, you know, then, then they're gone. And, um, you know, I mean, that's kind of arbitrary because it's like, you know, they're not going to always get it right. Um, you know, of course, when you get to review something, you get it in slow motion. But I mean, they're doing it as the game's going really fast. Um well, and well, so Brian, what
0: I, what I'm talking about for I I the suspensions, I actually I think that sounds good too. Um, I think it's I don't think you do both. I think you do either or. But if you have a situation like the Saints game, uh, the, the Saints Rams game in the NFC Championship, where it's so obvious and it's mm-hmm. missed, you have something like this where you know the hands aren't in the face they're on the shoulder pad and it's missed and this isn't the only example but what's what's wrong with just i don't know it's when you are blatantly the, the blatant call giving another team a win i think i think there's just a lot of a lot of problems with that and if it's just like you know it's you know it's second down and and you know you you missed a pi or something that that's one thing but when it's super obvious, game-changing play, I, I, that's when it becomes a real problem.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I get what you're saying. I I think I think you make valid points, and and yeah, it's a, it's a bigger issue for the NFL, and it's something they need to figure out for sure. Because this, you know, it's not like this has only happened once. It's happened numerous times over numerous seasons. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, Definitely a long road ahead to getting this fixed. Uh, well, we could, you know, we could talk about this all day, um, but uh, I think, think we might need to move on. Kenneth, who do you got for your winner of the week? Oh
0: uh, well, my winner of the week is the Steelers rookie quarterback duck Hodges. They call him duck because he is the one. I don't, I don't remember if it's state or national or whatnot, but he's won a couple different different uh, duck calling championships. So you know, they played a little audio of that on, uh, on Sunday night football. Uh, he seemed to be having a blast out there. You know, he didn't really do anything super spectacular Threw the ball more than 10 yards, like two or three times. And one of them was picked off, but, but, uh, you know, he did enough to win the game. James Conner really helped him out, was a huge part of it. Defense was played phenomenal. Uh, you know, with the Chargers, I, maybe they're not the playoff team they were last year. But uh, you got to feel good for that kid and, and what he was able to do on his, his first career start. And, and out of the last however many quarterbacks, I think five or six, including Mason Rudolph, He's the only one besides Big Ben to start off with a win for his first career start. So
1: way to go, Duck Hodges. All right. Well, then I will go to my winner of the week, and my winner of the week is the South Carolina Gamecocks and Will Muschamp, who knocked off number three, uh, Georgia, in double overtime. Uh, I think the biggest storyline of this, besides the fact that South Carolina won this game, is how bad Jake Fromm looked. Um, He ended up throwing three picks in this game. Um, only you know, had two hundred and ninety-five yards passing, only one touchdown. And I mean that was the thing because one of the picks was a pick six. But what it came down to was in uh I believe Jake Brown threw a pick. I believe he threw a pick in first overtime. So all the Game had to do was hit a field goal. They ended up missing the field goal, and then George ended up missing a field goal in double overtime. Um and yeah, it was just it was a it was really the big first upset of the college football season and it it was definitely well welcomed and, and it couldn't happen to a better guy, Will Muschamp, who was former defensive coordinator under Mac Brown at the University of Texas. And, you know, this guy he's, he's been struggling along the way to, you know, to get some of these key wins and and uh, you know, they've they've lost some tough games this year, but this was definitely a big game for him and his program. Um, and to have the chance, you know, cause I think, I think really he was on the hot seat. And so this, you know, this may, may buy him a little bit more time to really, uh, build that culture that he's been, uh, been trying to, uh, trying to build there at South Carolina.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, ever since really from his freshman year, uh, has always looked good, but never great. Uh, when he was a freshman, it was, well, he's, he's a freshman, he'll get better. And I guess from like a number standpoint, that's. True, but I don't know. Anytime there's a big game, he just plays kind of fine. Even here, it's against South Carolina. I guess you'd call this a trap game. This was at Georgia too, which is even more amazing. But Jake, I think Jake Fromm is just—he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have what it, quite what it takes to to take this team to national championship. And and they're definitely not going now. There's no way they get in the playoffs with a loss against South Carolina. But even looking forward, I, I believe this is from senior year, it's gonna be tough for that guy to, to secure a job in the NFL if he if he
1: can't take it to the next step. Yeah, good point. Good point. All right, Ken and you got to rant. Now it is my turn to rant. My loser of the week is LeBron James. So if anybody's been watching the NBA over the last couple of weeks, it all started. Uh, from Daryl Morey, the general manager for the Houston Rockets put out a tweet in support of the Hong Kong protesters saying, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Well, this created a firestorm for the NBA as they're trying to build more connections with China to play. uh, They're playing some preseason games over there um, and to do stuff like that. And so there were these you know, big questions. China was threatening to basically cut all ties, and you know there were a lot of outspokenness about this. Um, Adam Silver, the commissioner, was you know very careful about what he said and how he dealt with this. Um, but what came worse is uh, just I believe just yesterday, or maybe it was. I might have. I think it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday because. Uh, up until then, my Cardinals are going to be my loser of the week, and we'll get to them uh, <laughs> soon. But uh, LeBron James, they asked him about it as he was playing uh, some of the preseason games over there, has been to China quite often. And he comes out, and he basically says, he says, I don't want to get in a verbal feud with Daryl Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on the situation at hand, and he spoke. Um, He said, and so many people could have been harmed, not only financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So just be careful what we tweet and say. And we do, even though, yes, we do have the freedom of speech, but there can be a lot of negatives that come with that, too. And um, James goes on to say, I believe he was either misinformed or not really educated on the situation. If he had been, then then or if he is, then so be it. Um, I have no idea but that this is my belief. Because when you say things or do things, if you are doing it and you know the people that can't that can be affected by it, and the families and individuals and everybody that can be affected by it, sometimes things can be changed as well. And, and also social media is not always the proper way to go about things as well, but that's just my belief. And James had to clear up the confusion and Basically, he was saying he was talking about just how it was approached, not necessarily the specifics about what's going on in Hong Kong. However, there's he has faced major backlash. Uh, Protesters in Hong Kong are now burning his jerseys in protest of LeBron James. And the reason this is my loser of the week and also kind of my rant is, you know, I'm not trying to get political at all on here, but you know, with hearing what's going on in Hong Kong, if you even if you haven't followed, basically Hong Kong is basically trying to fight for rights, China, and all the NBA seems to care about is money. They don't seem to care about the people that are being affected. Uh, the Chinese government is going in and uh, spraying the protesters with water hoses, which the United States saw back in the civil rights movement. They're bringing in tanks. I mean, it's it's not a good situation. It's getting more and more violent every day. Now, let's take a step back. When you look at the NBA, so, you know, supposedly they care about um, all, you know, all these people and the well-being of all these people, but yet when the Warriors uh, win the uh, NBA Finals, Many of them refused to go to the White House, claiming that you know all these disagreements they have with the President of the United States, and that's their right. That is completely their right to do. But you have people like Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, Steph Curry, LeBron James, talking so negatively about what goes on in America, and they're saying how rights are being taken away in America. But yet when it's happening in another country, but when that other country is offering them millions of dollars to play, They shut their mouths. They don't say anything. They're careful what they say. They're careful what they do. And LeBron James went on to say that his his team and his organization had such a tough week. Are you kidding me? These are multi-millionaires. LeBron James has like a lifetime deal with Nike worth like a billion dollars. I mean... For him to say all these people being affected financially, literally the money he might have lost by not being able to play some preseason games in China, he probably finds in his couch cushion. I mean, this was just, it was outrageous what LeBron James said. It's outrageous how the NBA has handled this situation. Uh, They went as far, you know, even the Rockets owner was like, our GM does not speak for the team. I mean, they are just all so scared about losing a tiny bit of money at the expense of human rights in another country. So, I'm personally disgusted um by the NBA and how they're handling this and just how their double standard is when, you know, in America I rights aren't being taken away like they are in Hong Kong and other things that China has done. Um but I guess when money's involved, money talks and apparently the NBA doesn't really stand on much morals. Um, they, uh, you know, and even LeBron James saying freedom of speech, you know, is good, but can cause more harm basically than good. No, that's very incorrect. Um, because the lack of freedom of speech that is happening in Hong Kong, if you were to ask them how it feels, not being able to, you know, express themselves, you know, I, I think he'd have a very different outlook. So for him to say a a man is uneducated just by, you know, trying to support these, uh, protesters. I think LeBron James is truly the one who is uneducated on the subject, but, uh, don't want to drown out too long, but, uh, you know, just very disappointed in how the NBA and LeBron James are handling this situation. Yeah.
0: I, I think the NBA really is doing a really bad job. I think it looks really bad for the NBA. Even, uh, beyond this, there's a couple more examples. Um, there were two fans at, at I don't remember which game, but they were at a game and they, had, they were holding signs that said, free Hong Kong. And they were kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. And then you had a CNN reporter asking Rockets, you know, superstar players, James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook. They were ask, trying to ask a question about Hong Kong and, and you, know, you know, that kind of thing. And she had her mic ripped away from her. So this is, the NBA is entirely just trying to silence this. Basically, yeah, for money. And it looks terrible for the NBA, and uh, I don't know, I don't think you're going to see the kind of uh, protests and, and boycotts of the NBA the way we did for for the NFL uh, after, you know, the kneeling thing, and, and if you look at the numbers, there's you could argue that there wasn't even that big of a drop-off from that, but... I, I don't think even that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see people burning LeJames bronze. And yes, I know you know I know what I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people aren't people aren't going to be de- burning the jersey of LeJames Braun anytime soon. So I don't I don't know. It's just it's a weird situation. Um, and and I I don't know what the NBA is really thinking because I mean you bring up the point. I mean these guys are not only like allowed but encouraged to say whatever they want about. Uh, what's going on here and, and as well they should they have a platform they have a right to use it but to then completely ignore something that's going on over there i'd i i do not know i can't really fathom it but um that probably is enough we're coming to 40 uh, 52 minutes so we're trying <laughs> trying to speed this up a little bit not go on as long as last week brian mlb playoffs go ahead and catch us up real quick
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll start with the one that doesn't hurt break my heart. Um, The Yankees versus the Astros. So uh, game three for them just happened earlier today. The Astros ended up winning. So they are now up 2-1 over the Yankees. So Astros, please save America. Give us all hope. Beat the Yankees. Um, My Cardinals versus the Nationals. So currently uh, game four is going on right now. And by all accounts, the Cardinals are going to get swept. Um, It is currently... The top of the fourth inning, and the Cardinals are down seven nothing. And um, I think the the bigger problem is oh, never mind. Yadier Molina just hit a home run in the top of the fourth, so now seven one. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I think the I think the bigger thing here is you know, so the Cardinals went from scoring ten runs in the first inning versus the Braves to win that series, and then they go. 16 innings, hitless. And what really upset me, and I couldn't even read the article because after I read the, the uh, title, I was just not going to. Basically, after, after that, the Cardinals came out and said they believe now the balls are dead. That the balls that they change the balls and they're not flying as much. Well, no, let's take into consideration it is October; it's colder. The balls are not going to fly as much, and that cannot be your excuse because you know realistically the Nationals were able to score, you know, between the two games six runs, and enough to win the games. And and look at what the
0: Royals did a few years ago without hitting many home runs at all, and just finding other ways to get on base
1: and score. Exactly. So it was. I was very disappointed to hear that come from the Cardinals. um, You know. I think they just need to own up They're They're pitching it or they're swinging bad pitches. And, you know, the, the pitching staff can only do so much. I mean, you know, giving up three runs in a game, that's not terrible. I mean, you know, you'd prefer, you know, one or something, but giving up three runs isn't bad. There's no reason the Cardinals can't win that because we've seen they can score 13 runs in a game. And so, um, you know, realistically hats off to the nationals. Um, You know, I have a, I have a buddy of mine who said, you know, they seem like they're the, kind of the destiny they got destiny on their side and i think so and if they end up winning this world series uh that is their first in franchise history and so you know hats off to them they really came out to play and they're you know they got scherzer strasburg uh, you know they're pitching the pitching's phenomenal and uh, you know i said this you know kind of from the start cardinals pitching is not bad but it's not it's not the pitching staff that's going to win you the world series and and nine times out of ten that's where you win it it's not It's not your bats. You win it. You win it with the pitching and, you know, the Cardinals, you know, they they made strides this year, but there's a lot of work left to be done.
0: All right. And now to try to move things along here. And I I do think uh, if the Nationals do win. It's going to be pretty tough regardless of who they play in the American League. But uh, regardless, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that next time. Uh, Coming up for this week, we'll start off in college. Uh, Brian, Iowa state at Texas tech again this week. Neither of us made any picks just yet. Uh, so who do you got in this one?
1: You know, I think this is an interesting game. You know, Texas tech has kind of, kind of showed up this year and Iowa state, you know, supposed to, this supposed to be a really good year for them and, and they're making strides, but they're not fully there yet. I'm going to go with the home team here. I'm going to go with Texas tech. Um, I think they just come out and they score just too many points. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of leaning the same way. I was
0: kind of thinking a little bit earlier today, maybe I'd go Iowa State, but I I think Texas Tech, you know, they really showed up against, what, Oklahoma State? Um, Mm -hmm. So Iowa State just doesn't have quite an equivalent to that right now, I don't think, so I think Tech at home stands a better chance.
1: All right. The next game we got is a Pac-12 matchup. Number 12, Oregon at number 25, Washington, Kenyon. Which animal are you going with?
0: Well, you know, so far, um I'm I've been perfect in, in choosing games with the Oregon Ducks. Uh and, and not always choosing four of them. So this will be a fun one. I am I am gonna pick them this time. Go puddles. Um uh, Puddles is probably my second favorite mascot in, in college football, uh just as a, as an aside, you know, and that's only because I'm a Husker fan. So I gotta get Herbie some love, but uh objectively Puddles is, is super adorable. And yeah, I saw him, I saw him against Cal. He was trying to get in a boat. They <laughs> had a little inflatable <laughs> boat that he was climbing into. Super adorable, super fun. I think Oregon's a tougher team here, even even at Washington, which is a very loud stadium, very good place to play. Uh, but I think Oregon's too much for them to handle.
1: You make some good points, but I do need to make up some games on you. So I'm gonna I gotta go with the home team here, and I'm gonna go with the Huskies. Uh, I think they they play with a little razzle dazzle and uh can can change change their fortunes.
0: All right. Well, Temple at 19 SMU, your your former boy Shane Buchel uh having a monster year. They're at Southern Methodist University. They're having their best year since they had the death penalty in what like the early 90s, late 80s, something mm-hmm. like that. Um and they're playing lights out Temple, still that one loss, has had a big win against memphis brian do you think temple finds a way to squeak one
1: out or you think that's uh shane buchelle all the way you know uh, it, it's it's a tough one um you know you got a temple team that you know can can win these can win these games and then you got an smu team who's who's really trying to make history for their school you know ever since the death penalty and heck if they start creeping up even better we might have to potentially look are they doing the same thing that won them back in the nineties? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, until that day, I got to go with Shane Buchel. Um I'm really happy for him that he, you know, he's been able to turn around. He was a really good asset for Texas. It's just Sam Mellinger is just more physical, uh, physical runner. Um, but I'm really happy for him. So I'm going to, I'm going to give him this game. You know what? I'm I'm thinking I got to
0: agree with you here. I think, especially at SMU, uh, it's gonna be tough for Temple to overcome, and SMU is a really good team. It looks like this year, so I gotta go with them. All right, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. I believe both teams are five hundred. Both teams. Uh, you know, we had North Carolina start off strong and then kind of fade off, and Virginia Tech start off terrible and kind of climb back. I'm thinking I'm leaning
1: towards North Carolina though, Brian. I'd have to agree with you. Um, I think Mac Brown. I mean, I think he showed it by almost beating Clemson. He's really built a culture at that team real quick, and you know they've they've had some heart heartbreaking losses uh, to Wake Forest and to Clemson, but but I think they pulled this one out.
0: All right, number eighteen, Baylor, or as I prefer to call them, "Look the Other Way University," at oh. Oklahoma State. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not I'm never forgiving them for that one. Um, at Oklahoma State University, and uh, man, Oklahoma State is just the bane of my existence. But come on, Mike Gundy's hair, give it to me, Oklahoma State.
1: Uh, oh, you know I got to give credit to Lee Corsair. Not so fast, the Baylor Bears. Uh, this is you know they're really having a good year, and they're coming out swinging. And you know what? I need them to be ranked so when Texas beats them, it looks better. So I'm going to have to go with the Baylor Bears here, even though they are looked the other way, University. They really, really are. Um, I really hope RG3
0: wasn't in all that. I just, just thought of that. I like RG3. Um, <laughs> anyway, Arizona State at Utah. Boy, those Sun Devils have been good to me. Ah, They have been really good to me. But this week, I got to go against them. I'm taking Utah, and uh, it's not an easy decision for me to make, but they've showed, you know, after, since losing at, to USC, Utah has really shown up. They've, they've played well, and I think it's a close one, even at home, but I, I think they just are a little bit better than Arizona State.
1: This one's tough for me. I really like Herm Edwards and, I, and what Arizona State's been able to do. And Utah I picked to, uh, to win the Pac-12. Oh, this is so tough. But you know what? Those magical powers. All, I right. They're just, All right. I think they're just too much. Um, you know, I, I, I just got to give it to them.
0: You know what? I, I'll, I'll pull Lee Corso. That's a good pick. i disagree with you but that's a good pick (laughs) all right michigan 16 at seven penn state um man i hope this is their whiteout game i don't know if it is or not i hope it is i love the whiteout game i'm going penn state at home
1: that's a great pick that is a great pick um (laughs) i think uh Credit to, uh, or shout out to my buddy Jason. I think this is a blowout. I think Michigan just gets embarrassed. Um, you know, they've they've kind of bounced back from that uh, awful win- loss against Wisconsin, but still, things just don't seem to be put together, and Penn State is, I believe, a far better team than Michigan.
0: All right, in the NFL this week, we start off with my Lions again. Taking on the Vikings at home. And, uh, <laughs> Brian, you've already typed it out. Um, yeah, it, this is an interesting one. We don't know what Vikings team we're going to get. But, you know, for, from Detroit's standpoint, in years past, after you know a couple tough losses against the Chiefs and the Packers, this is a point in the year where we've seen in year pa- years past where uh, the Lions tend to slip and they start to get into a bit of a losing streak. I'm I'm hoping beyond hope that Matt Patricia, uh, as this takes the so-called Patriots way, and hopefully without you know recording opponents' practices and such, uh, over to Detroit. I gotta gotta hope that we're we're able to, you know, stay mentally tough, and and find a way to come out with it. We're keep you come out even stronger. I have to go to Detroit, but uh, it's gonna be an interesting game to watch.
1: Yeah, you know. Kenyon, you got to think about this for a second. You know, normally I, you know, at the start of the season, I picked against the lions and the second I chose them, what happened? They I lost. Know. So I'm going to pick them again <laughs> and we'll see what happens only because like, you know, like we said, this Vikings team, they're inconsistent. And I just, I don't know. It all, honestly, it all really matters. What Kurt cousins comes out. That's honestly it because if he comes out playing, you know, like like he should, like, you know, he deserves to be there, it's going to be a tough one for the Lions. If he comes out, can't even throw a five-yard pass, it's going to be an easy one for the Lions. So we will see. Next game on our docket is the Raiders at the Packers. Kenyon, do you got to pick the green here?
0: Um, You don't, actually, and and here's why. Even against the Lions, the Packers still – uh when they were gifted that win did not play a complete game haven't played a complete game this year and the raiders have found ways to come back at the end of some games uh despite losing antonio brown and on all that fiasco i'm actually rolling with gruden on this one and i i think the raiders come out with it so that's a as we used to say a
1: bold prediction so that's what i'm that, going with that is a bold prediction i'm going with rogers Um, only because I hate Derek Carr and he's terrible. And so (laughs) I, I can't, I can't ever put my faith in him. So I gotta, gotta you know, that's fair. You,
0: you really can't ever put your faith in Derek Carr. I'm I'm not saying you should, (laughs) (laughs) um, all right. Texans at the Colts and you know, fortunately we have another game of this because these are really the top two teams in the division, uh, Marcus Mariota got benched last week for the Titans, in case that's relevant to you.
1: So we got the
0: Texans, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who just came off a really great win against against the Chiefs. And the Colts, who came off a really great win with the Chiefs and a bye, get a little healthier. That is tough. I'm rolling with the Colts at home. Uh, if this is in Texas, I might have to go Texans. But right now... Uh, you know, the Colts are, are a difficult team to track down. Texans are, are real solid. They're really solid. I think Marlon Mack in that Colts defense is going to show up again. And I think they're going to have to use Mack a little differently. They're not just going to be able to just pound it up the middle like they did against Kansas City. Berset's going to have to have a really good game. And defensively, they've got to get pressure on Deshaun Watson, who's been playing lights out the last few weeks. But I think Indianapolis is not a team to count out. And so I'm I'm gonna roll with them at home.
1: Yeah. I have both these quarterbacks on my fantasy team. And uh I decided that I think as of right now I'm gonna play Watson. That's a smart choice. That's that's a good but, pick. <laughs> that but that doesn't mean they're gonna win. I'm going with the Colts. There you go. All right. In agreement. I love it.
0: All right, Saints at the Bears. I'm rolling Saints all the way up on this one. That Bears defense is scary good, but I mean, unless the defense scores points, the Bears ain't scoring points.
1: Yeah, I'm sticking with the Saints as I have. I have their defense. Their defense is also really good, and their defense is scoring. Um, and, you know, you just you just got to stick with the Saints and uh, you know, yeah the Bears just kinda suck right now. <laughs> I mean that's a right. record. The next, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you know. Uh, and our next game is the Ravens at the Seahawks. Ah, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Kenny, you made a good point about Russell Wilson, but you know, those Ravens, do they do they, they got any life? Are they are they gonna do anything?
0: You know, the the Ravens do have life. Uh, they are, I think, the top team in the AFC North this year. Especially, you know, the Browns ain't going to be any competition. Steelers, <laughs> unless they go on a run with with you know, Duck Hodges, which you know, I'm not going to discount the possibility. But you got to rely on a lot of other people to stay healthy for that to work. Uh, Cincinnati, I'm going to say, is is it's not statistically eliminated, but they're statistically eliminated without a win <laughs> so far. So, the uh, Ravens are looking good. Played well at times against Kansas City. uh, Didn't end up winning that game. But the Seahawks are in tough games. They win close games. They're at home. Never discount the Seahawks at home. Tyler Lockett had a heck of a game against the Rams a couple weeks ago. That was a a crazy touchdown catch that he had right on the sideline. At a full speed, I couldn't believe that he caught it. I'm going Seahawks. I think... You know, people are saying there isn't a dominant team in the NFC right now. I think Seahawks are one of them. I think Saints are as well, especially when Drew Brees comes back healthy. Seahawks are really good. I think you're looking at your NFC matchup with the with the Seahawks and the Saints this year.
1: Well, you know, I really don't like Pete Carroll. I know and you do and I I do not. I I. Uh... Yeah, I can't really say what I want to say. So, um, <laughs> I'm uh, I unfortunately have to go with the Seahawks because the this Ravens. Big, right? That I know, and that's I I too often pick with my heart, and it doesn't always do me very well. Um, so yeah, I got to go with the Seahawks. All right, no. our last game. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, speaking of picking
0: with your heart, how about this one? Eagles <laughs> at the Cowboys. Both of them are, are 300. Both of them have had some good wins. Both of them have had some tough losses and uh, not close losses either for all of them. But Doug Peterson, head coach of the Eagles said we're going to beat the Cowboys this week. And uh, I don't know, Brian, do you buy it? Do you think they can go
1: into Dallas and get a win against the, their rival? Well, consider. How bad uh, the Cowboys looked in their last game. You know, I, it's definitely doable for the Eagles, but uh, the Eagles haven't looked great either. You're right; neither have looked great, and they're going into Jerry World. Oh, I I gotta go. I gotta go with the Cowboys. I got to.
0: All right, well then, here's one final not-so-fast, Brian. Eagles, I'm thinking, you know, they've been at least bare minimum more competitive in most of their games so far. I think, you know, the the, the defense for the Cowboys has just been flat-out atrocious the last couple of weeks, and, and from a unit that is not only historically, but even at the beginning of the year, very good. They were really good last year. I'm not entirely sure what's going on in Dallas, but it ain't winning, so... I think Eagles are gonna win this one
1: in in a close one, sure, in in a close one. But I'm going Eagles. It's not a bad pick. It's pre- it's a pretty good pick. So uh, I know that's why I did it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so <laughs> we <laughs> yeah we ran a little long again. Not too bad well, an though. Hour, an hour, we kept it to an hour ten. So you're right. You're right. Better improvement. So I do want to. I do want to. Ask you one thing, Kenyon, before we Go sign off. Go so we it. we you know we were trying to get through, so we didn't do rapid fire. But but I really liked my my kill shot this week, so I need to ask. Sure. So Nebraska Cornhuskers announced in 2021 they will be playing Not the Week Ireland Zero game in Ireland against Illinois. Is this you know just a stroke of luck and you know kind of a good pickup? Or was this just a ploy to sidestep the problems that the Husker program's facing right now?
0: Well, actually, you know, I hadn't considered that. That's a, we're going to be looking at more than an hour and ten. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I really hadn't thought about it that way. It is interesting timing for that announcement, to be sure. Um, you know, I think, what is it, next year College Game Day announced that they were going to go over to Ireland for for Army and Notre Dame, I mean, just, that one just kind of made sense. Or not Army, Navy. It was Navy in Notre Dame. Yeah, that one just kind of made sense to me. You know, of, of course, Notre Dame is, is going to have a game in Ireland. And that's kind of fun. That's neat. You know, NFL has mm-hmm. gone to London uh, the last several years. So I I, I, I didn't realize that was going to be a, a more common thing. I thought that was going to be kind of a, a one it's and a, done. Hey, this is yeah. This it's is a five-year
1: cool. contract.
0: Yeah, so I, I didn't know that. Um, I guess Nebraska and Illinois got it. First, like, I don't know hopefully 2021 we're like a really good team <laughs> it's just a blowout and all those irish fans like see nothing good but yeah it is interesting timing i i can't imagine it was solely to sidestep a problem i i gotta think it got confirmed and then they announced it when it got confirmed because it's exciting it helps with recruiting and all that so i it is a coincidental timing, but I, I, I at least hope it was it was actually a coincidence.
1: I have I have no way to back that up, but that's yeah, it, you know yeah. Like I said, I just thought thought, thought it was yeah. interesting. Well, that's an interesting uh, but, point. I yeah. I
0: mean, it's it's very possible that it's that it's not just a coincidence and that they they did that intentionally. I have no idea when they found out that they were going to Ireland. So right, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe not. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So. All right, everybody. Well, have a good night. You know, continue to listen, continue to share, tell your friends. We're going to continue to make sports broadcasting great again. And, you know, maybe in 2021, Nebraska gets to suck on two continents. So (laughs) 2021 is is the first time we we play Oklahoma. So you uh, you best be rooting for us there, boy. Oh, that'll be a tough one for me. (laughs) All right, everybody, have a good night.